Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And what does Florida State's loss to Virginia Tech say, if anything, about Willie Taggart's readiness for this job? And who had the most impressive opening game among the state schools? Hey, and hasn't Kevin Cash already locked up this manager of the year stuff? Well, it's time to talk about all this with Times columnist Tom Jones on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. Before we get started on today's podcast, I want to remind you that part two of my interview with Bucks defensive tackle Gerald McCoy will be on tomorrow's show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Gerald has uh, some pretty interesting things to say uh, to certain Bucks fans that uh, may or may not like his career so far and just what he plans to do going forward. And uh, listen, we really love your interaction. I'd love to hear what you think about that interview and other shows that we do, so Here's what we want you to do. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And you can really help us out if you'll rate and review this podcast. Right, Steve? Yeah, anywhere you get your podcast, specifically Apple Podcasts or Google Play, when you go to the app there and you can, uh, when you search the podcast, Sports Day Tampa Bay, hit ratings and reviews and leave your review for us. Uh, most of them have been five-star reviews. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate it. And uh, if you could also tell a friend about the, the podcast and that we're doing this, that helps us out a lot too. All right, Tom Jones joins us now. And, Tom, I tried to hang with the Florida State uh, debut of Willie Taggart. So did Willie Taggart. (laughs) Yeah, and he did too. Coach T didn't drive that bus very far. (laughs) Let's just say that. That that bus uh, hasn't made its way all the way from Oregon um, just yet. What did you make? Because I had high expectations. I mean, first of all, they got DeAndre Von Swab back. Yeah. I thought he was the elite quarterback, you know, better than than Blackman maybe. And, and, And that program still has a lot of talent there. Um, what, what, what happened? What happened was, there, look, there are two things about this that I don't know what to make of it. There's two ways you can look at this. One, you can look at it and say, boy, is Willie Taggart in over his head. I mean, is this a situation where you look back less than three years ago, he was about a minute away from being fired. We talked to him. And, <laughs> Me and you looked at each other, told the story. We looked at each <laughs> other on a Tuesday, because we used to talk to Willie on Tuesdays. And I want to say they were three and four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was bad. It's like in his third year, mm-hmm. and, they, and their offense was going no place. Right. And we looked at each other and go, what do, we, do we ask him if he's worried about his job? Like, you know, exactly. really thought he was going to get fired. And they were playing Syracuse, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember our sports editor at the time, a guy by the name of Mike Stevenson, said, hey, you might want to get a column ready for Willie. If they lose Saturday night, he might be gone by Sunday morning. He might, he, he might not make it home. And so I had one, there's still on my computer, that Willie is going to get fired. This was less than three years ago. JUSF to Florida. <laughs> exactly. And then he ends up at Oregon, then he goes to Florida State. So you can look at it a couple of ways, Rick. You can look at, okay, he took over a dumpster fire at Western Kentucky and turned it back into a, a good program. And left with a losing record overall. He did. But, but he, nonetheless, but they were within a, He started off 2-10 yeah. first year there and then yeah. built it back up. Say, or I don't know if it was 2-10, but it was pretty bad. Yeah. And then same thing happened to USF. Took over for Skip Holtz, who left it a train wreck and was bad, and then turned it into something good. He won that game against Syracuse, saved his job, and then 
over the next year, turned it into a pretty good, a pretty good program again. And then he went to Oregon, sort of status quo, yeah, seven and five. But they had a losing record. They did, and now he's coming in. So I don't look. I wonder. I look at it now. Do I look at it and say he's over his head? I don't know how he got here. Why is he the coach at Florida State? Or do you look at it and say, okay, maybe Jimbo didn't leave him anything. Maybe it was in bad shape. The offensive line looked horrible on Monday night. The thing that would concern me, Rick, is that they they didn't look prepared for this game, and that's what would concern me. Now, Virginia Tech's a decent team. You could, that guy's in his third year, so his program's right, rolling a little bit. A little bit. bit. And you could also look at it this way, Rick. It's a, as, as horrible as they played, that game really wasn't put away until fourth quarter I'm against a pretty good team. So I don't, I go round and around. I still, my gut tells me, Willie's not ready for this job. I just don't think he's ready for Florida State. But Let me ask you this. Will, that, will Florida State be patient with Willie well, Cowell? Somebody asked me that today. To me... This is a program that feels like we should win a national championship every year. And for as much as Jimbo Fisher, I think one of the reasons, and there's probably a lot of reasons, one might be the, the new $120 million facility they're going to build that right. didn't build it when Jimbo was there. But one of the reasons I think, I think a lot of these coaches feel like the standard of the bar is so high that if I don't win a national championship, everybody's unhappy. But that's kind of the job now at Florida State. I mean, and so are they going to, like, they were patient at USF. Yes. Uh, you know, Oregon, I think, would have been patient with him there, and he probably sure. would have stayed if not for this job. So is Florida State. I saw a lot of people in Garnet and Gold that went out there, and you know what you saw? The same product as you did the year before. Right. Nothing was discernibly different. The offensive line was bad. They couldn't execute on, de- on, uh, on, on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense gave up big plays. There were mental errors. There were penalties. Five turnovers. It looked just like they did a year ago under Jimbo. I don't think they're going to have patience there, Rick. I, the the – like, look at a program like Texas, and they bring in Charlie Strong, and it didn't work out after a couple of years. And, look, I mean, you can make the argument that Charlie Strong did a good job recruiting there. You don't win football games, they're going to bounce you out of there. Jimbo Fisher, look how quickly they turned on Jimbo. Now, I don't know all what happened. I think Jimbo had one foot out the door and everybody knew it. You might be right. Yeah. But, look. But they turned fast. They go 4-8 and eight this year, and then they start off next year losing the first couple. Look, we've seen it happen to Florida. Now, look at the, the little patience they had for Will Muschamp. Look at the little patience they had for Jim McElwain. Who won 10 games who won, twice. Right. And got to the SEC title game. Yeah. And once they realized they couldn't beat Alabama or they couldn't beat the... Uh, Not just that, but they didn't do it. He didn't win the way they wanted to win. That's right. And the way Florida Funny State gun. people want to win is not dissimilar to, to, uh, to Florida. Right. They want to see the ball plays. They want to see, they want to see him gut people. Right. So the, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't mess around. I wouldn't go four and eight if I'm Willie. I, I mean, I think he gets more than this year. And maybe look, maybe we're overreacting. It's one. Game. It's one. I game. went back and I looked at Jimbo's first year at at Florida State, taking over for Bowden. He the first game they played somebody bad. I can't remember who it was. Like it was like a Sanford or a Charleston or somebody like that. And then the second, and they won. And then the second game, I think they played Oklahoma and got annihilated. And then it turned out they had a pretty good season after that. And Jimbo turned out to win a national championship there and have a pretty good, uh, pretty good career at Florida State. So, look, I'm not ready to bury him yet, but that was not the a problem good, with this. Is song. that this was not just some, you know, like Miami, LSU interconference. This was a conference game, and and for them, they lost a home conference game. Right. So, if you have any hope of making it in your division of that of the ACC. It took a big shot on opening day. And you know what? It's, it, Virginia, I'm not taking anything away from Virginia Tech. It's a good program, and Fuente's a good coach, but it's not Clemson. You know, it wasn't Clemson. might not even be Miami. I, you know, this, 
this is Virginia Tech might be the third or fourth best team in the ACC. Yeah. And they went in there and, and kind of manhandled you. So uh, not a good start. Not a good start for White T. Let me ask you this question, Rick. Mm-hmm. If you were USF and you had a chance tomorrow, mm-hmm. now you're USF. You're not Florida State. Yeah. You're Florida. And you had a chance and say, I'll give you your choice. You could have Charlie Strong or you could have Willie Taggart. Who would you think? Or is it the same guy? Same, same type of person. I think I think they're similar in that they, they both can probably recruit. Um, that's You know, USF is a tricky animal. I mean, you saw it. You were there, Tom. I mean, yeah. I know it was the opener and maybe the fact they're playing Elon. It's not a good marquee conference to begin with. But 22,000 people showed up. Yeah. And that was an increase. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like you know what 3, they did? They turned it. Did you see this? They turned the emblem around and set up the TV camera on the opposite side of the... Really? Stadium, basically because when you look at uh, when you look at USF's attendance, everybody sits on the shade side. Which yeah, is the on the east, west west side. West side, right? Yeah. And the east side is in the sun, so people don't want to. So there's not and, many people there. Right, and so what they ended up doing was turned it around so that and they they admitted they said yeah it's because perception we wanted to make sure that it didn't look it like looked like a lot of people yeah yeah, yeah so I don't know I I think that uh, if you had the ability to keep Willie. You would have kept Willie. Right. Just because he had it going. He had yeah. the program going 10, 12 games a year. I don't think Charlie's going to do a worse job necessarily. Um, again, it comes down to the quarterback. But, I mean, USF could win. They could win nine or ten more games this year. They could win yeah. nine or ten more games every year. What do they got? Yeah. You know, it's a nice little program. Right. It's never going to play for It's funny. Like, they win nine or ten games. Or they win eight or nine games. That's a, If Charlie does that every year... He'll be here for the next 10 years, or as long as he wants. They're happy with that? I think so. I think you have to be, because if because it feels like even if you were to go win 11 or 12... You're still not getting You're it. still not getting in. The UCF, uh, UCF won 13. Yeah, that's right. That's not going to happen. You know but, what you got to do? You got to be better than them. Right. You got to be better than Central Florida. But if you're Willie Taggart, you win eight or nine games a year at Florida State, that ain't going to cut it. That won't you know? work. You, no, you he's got to win ships. Yeah, exactly. ACC chips. ACC championships. National chips, yeah. all that stuff. He's getting into the playoff. And yeah, so the bar's, the bar's much higher for him. Mm-hmm. Who do you think had the best weekend um, in terms of uh, – and I'll throw you mine. I thought – and, again, they played no one, but Dan Mullen did exactly what Dan Mullen needed to do. <laughs> yeah. um, but we were just uh, talking in there uh, as we do this podcast. Uh, we, we were on Spectrum, the TV show, and I thought no one – could have cut a better template for Florida fan. Because you know Florida fan, what they really want is the old ball coach. Mm. Throw it around a little bit. We got, you know, five touchdowns for Levy Franks. That's what they wanted, and that's what they got. Even a jump pass. Now, hello, (laughs) hello, ode to Tim Tebow. That was the perfect opener for Dan Mullen and his Florida fans. Right. Oh, I agree. I mean, that was a it was a great start. Again, it was Charleston. Let's see how they how they do as they get deeper into the into real teams here. But no, you're right, Rick. I've often had the theory that Florida would rather lose. The Florida fans would rather lose fifty-two to fifty than win seven to three Absolutely. every week. And that's why Will Muschamp they had no patience for Will. And, Muschamp. and I think ultimately got Malcolm Wayne too. Yeah, because they weren't scoring enough points. They offensively they weren't very exciting, and they couldn't find a quarterback and. They used to have wide receivers that were running all all over the place. Even though one of his quarterbacks is now Heisman oh, Trophy candidate, Will Greer at West Virginia. Oh, well, did what, when did that happen overnight? I, I know. What, what I didn't get the men, memo on that. I had no idea how that happened. But I'd be playing for the Bucks in five minutes. <laughs> Florida, yeah. Florida was impressive. I, I thought USF was impressive. Again, it was Elon. I get it. But um, I didn't know if they'd be able to replace Quentin Flowers. I don't know that. 
you know, Blake. I still don't know if they can. I still don't know if they can. But I'll tell you what, he throws a better ball than Quentin Flowers. Quentin Flowers was a better runner and he ran the offense better. I think Quentin Flowers is the best player in program history. Um, Probably a little bit better than Matt Matt Grothy, but... Um, well, Barnett has pedigree. Barnett, yeah, he does. He, can, I mean, he went to Alabama. Yeah. I mean, if Nick Saban wanted you, eh. That's right. You know what? He's got, he's got, he carries himself like a starting quarterback. He's, he's got that swag about him, but like in a good way. You yeah. Know, it's not, he's not so cocky that he turns people off. You can tell he's a leader. Um, and, I, you know, he throws a nice ball. I, I liked what they did. So I thought what USF did was really good. Um, I was surprised that my boy Miami was a disappointment, a big disappointment. Mark Rick, I, I know they look like the team that lost their last three or four games last year with, with the same formula. They can't protect the quarterback. He's not very good. Rozier, Malik Rozier, to me, is not a good quarterback. No. And you think about the state of Miami, as they call it. Yeah. You should have lights-out guy every year. Uh, I'll go you one more. They had a kicker that was 4 of 10 in high school yeah. his senior year. <laughs> 4 of 10. I could do that. Give me a scholarship. And I'm in my 50s. Uh, but, you know, so, yeah, that was – but LSU curb stomped them. No. And, and I'm not even sure LSU's that great. Well, yeah, I'm not either, but we know the boys are going to play hard. Right. And you know they're going to be physical. And that, I think the SEC – let me just say this, too. If you watch college football over the weekend, mm-hmm. Big Ten had been getting a lot of run. You know, there's Ohio State. To me, there's Ohio State. Yeah. And no one else. Right. You know, I mean, kind of like Wisconsin – my Badgers, you know, my wife's yeah. Badgers, are, are, they're ranked fourth in the country. And yeah. I still don't think Hornbuckle, their quarterback, is good enough. But it's a nice program. Yeah. They're going to win a lot of games, and they'll be there in the end somewhere. Other than Ohio State, though, show me the team. Penn State? I'm 38 to App State? Man, that can't happen. Your boy's overrated, man. He might be. Well, I always said Franklin's. <laughs> I like James Franklin. He's overrated, man. Midnight Saturday to like noon Saturday, <laughs> the following Saturday. Because he'll recruit the all day long. Yeah, he will. But when you get into game time, I'm not a big James Franklin guy. I don't, I don't that app stake, I don't know if it's one of those things where, boy, they just, it was, hey, it was one of those scares that everybody has. And then we'll find out Saturday because they play Pitt. They found a way to win. On Saturday. They did find a way to win. A kid from Gaither made the big interception in the end zone. But look, they gave up 38 points. Michigan goes to Notre Dame and didn't play well. Although, my boy, they played better as the game went on. My boy. Late in the in trouble. Do you think? A little bit. Little bit. Does he jump before he's put? You know, it's funny. Well, I think you about, should, you should about, be smart enough to stay ahead of the hangman on that one. You really should. Because there's like ten. I, I'm telling you, there's ten teams in the NFL that easily right now. Easily, and pay them as much or more. Right, but it would one, be but, one that's located about ten miles from where we're taping this. Isn't he one of those guys? Exactly. Any one of those guys that has one of those quote unquote lifetime contracts, though, like he thinks he can stay there forever. He made them relevant again, mm-hmm. but they haven't beaten anybody. Right. I've been defending the guy. Now, it could just be that Ohio State's been better. Michigan State hasn't always been better. I mean, you they look lost back, some I, I terrific think games I think they've lost, State. I forget what the stat is now. It's like eight or nine games now of teams that were ranked higher than them. Yeah. But you look, some of those games were goofy games. The like, Michigan State block punt. They lose to Michigan State, the block punt game. The Ohio State game. That, bad call. You know, bad he was call a first down. First down, yeah. Uh, so they, were, they, were, they had games where they had chances to win. And I wouldn't be ready to give up on Harbaugh just yet if I'm Michigan. I really, look, eventually, if they can rally now and somehow win the Big Ten, oh, right, yeah. oh, then I think that's all. Because if they, if they don't lose the rest of the way and they win the Big Ten, they're getting in the playoffs. To be honest, if they can beat Ohio State, they're fine. Yeah. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Right, right. You beat that team, knock them out, and then all of a sudden you're relevant again. But the SEC, Not yet. for those who thought that wasn't still the strongest conference in football, look again. Auburn with a nice win. 
how well Alabama with again with the you know they're they're going to be Alabama right. So um, and then LSU with a nice win over over Miami. That'd be great covering Saban. Let me ask you this uh, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of Saban or, or the media. You're, yeah. You write a lot of media columns. Yeah. You're used to. You're still. You're st- well, you still do. Should there come a point when name the network? And I know they'll never do this, but ESPN, yeah. ABC, whoever has the game, TBS, whatever, where they go, you know what? We're not talking to Saban. We're not. Because he doesn't give us anything. Right. He doesn't want to do it. And he's just going to be combative to the point of having an issue and apology anyway. I kind of fall, I mean, look, for all his greatness, and he's a great coach. Yeah. But do networks sort of, because it's Alabama and everybody, you know, that moves the needle. But when you see Tom Rinaldi, and I love Tom Rinaldi, but you see him go in there with his piano music, and he's the guy that he plays for championships year after year. Yeah. Somehow, only the bear's shadow is smaller than Nick Saban. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, are they glorifying, you know, with like, you know, a day in the week of Alabama? I mean, it gets to the point where you've created the monster in a yeah. sense. I don't know winning does that. Nick was that way going back to Michigan State. I mean, it's not like he's changed. But what point do networks say, you know what, enough? I don't know. It's a great question because I'm not really sure what we get out of those. Maybe one out of every 30 produce something that's newsworthy. Or a moment like that. Or a moment like Which, that. Which, does that help ratings? Because uh, now, now your debate shows are doing them. Now we show them 25 times and everybody hadn't seen it wants to watch. Is that yeah. part of the genius? Of well, this? maybe so. Look, I, I saw the other day where ESPN on their on their ticker at the bottom said Nick Saban apologizes to Maria Taylor, and I'm like, well, would they have done that if, if Tracy Wilson or whatever at CBS right. if he had blown her off? Would they put it at the bottom of the ESPN ticker? Saban apologizes to CBS reporter. I, I'm not. I'm sure there's a reason why they do this. I'm sure there's a reason why they have these interviews. You know, during everybody the, has. Yeah, everybody has it. We see. I was watching the the uh, the baseball game on TBS on uh, Sunday, and they interviewed Joe Madden between the second and third day. Then they talked to Gabe Kapler between the third and fourth. But that's relatively new. That is relatively new. But we see it there. We see it in hockey. They interviewed the coaches during the you know, during breaks. They're talking about it, Mike and guys up in baseball. You know when they're playing the game. Right. Which I they tried that all star. Well, look, I'd love that idea. It's actually not bad. No, I love that idea. But yeah, these interviews with Saban. Is it you know? Is it worth it? I mean, sometimes Saban, I guess, will give you something. But on that, he was totally out of line. And I saw people defending him. Like, look, you can't play around with your quarterbacks like that. And the question was legitimate. The question was after a game. What did you learn about your quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, somebody said, well, it's been, you know, you you constantly ask the same question. Well, no, they just played a game. It's different now. Now you have an actual evaluation, like, what did you think of? That's usually what we ask to every coach after right. every game. Well, you know, I'll tell you who's having trouble right now. You've been following this probably a little bit closer than I have, Rick. Is the Eagle writers are having a heck of a time with Doug Peterson over this. Who's a likable guy. Who's right? a likable guy, you know. But this whole Carson Wentz, is he healthy? Can he play? Is, has he been cleared? And time and time again, he keeps giving some very quick, rude answers to stop asking me about it. Mm-hmm. And look... At the end of the day, I think what these coaches forget, and, and the fans get on us. Do you realize we're asking these questions? For you. For you. Because we feel like maybe you want to know. Yeah. We, you, before you put the money down. Right. You can't ask Doug Peterson the questions, but we can. You know, and 
I'll be honest. I mean, I think we're pretty lucky around here, Rick. I mean, I think I think Dirk's been pretty good for the most part. Um, Cooper's pretty good for the most part. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Kevin Cash is pretty good for the most part. But, um, hey, I like Dirk better than I do Lovey. Lovey, to me, was condescending. He was, always said that. I, Lovey just wasn't going to give you anything. And I would prefer a coach that will give you something like Dirk does yeah. as opposed to, Nelson, do we do injuries? No, no, we don't do injuries today, <laughs> Nelson. Discouraged? I go back to disappointed. Yeah, he's both in Illinois. He's got his own problems in <laughs> Illinois. Um, I would say this, that uh, the coaches – football is the only sport that's like this, by the way. Football is the Manhattan Project. Every week these guys are creating something that's top secret. And by God, you're not going to watch more than a half hour of stretching. <laughs> Get out of here and don't tweet when you're on the field. Right. What am I tweeting about? The guy was stretching his left hamstring? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's what they... So they have all these rules. But at the end of the day, it's like Peterson got mad because somebody correctly said they had decided to go with Nick Foles. Oh, stop traffic. Yeah, right. I mean, the other guy we haven't seen, he, he tore an ACL and an MCL, and, you know, uh, he's not ready to play. So, what? I mean, they seem to think that, well, if the opponent doesn't know, they'll only prepare, they'll prepare, they'll waste all their time <laughs> right. preparing for both quarterbacks. No, they won't. Okay? They know your offense, and they know it's a little different with Nick versus the other guy. It's the same thing. I had this happen with Dirk Cutter. And I'm not afraid to say it because, um, you know, <laughs> Todd Munkin did a good job in the preseason and got to be halfway through there, averaging 30 points a game. So the question was asked of Munkin and others. I, I got asked every day, are you calling plays? Yeah. So I wrote a story. And in my second, third graph, I said, but Dirk Cutter plans on playing the plays. And I had asked Dirk, hey, I feel like this has been asked and answered. You're still calling plays, right? He goes, asked and answered, right? So, okay, you're calling plays. Middle of the story, Dirk's really good at calling plays. End of the story, Tom Munkin, you know, he should keep calling plays. Mm-hmm. Headline, not, not my favorite. He thought I was stirring it up. You're just stirring it up. Why'd you even text me if you're just going to... I get that, but... And he didn't like the headline, which yeah. you never tell, never tell somebody you don't write the headlines because that doesn't, they don't care. <laughs> Your name's on the story, they don't care. I, I couldn't say, That's the funny thing. I can't tell you one headline of any column. Oh, I can tell you a bunch of mine. <laughs> I could tell you a bunch of mine because well, I, it, you I used to get quoted on the post game show after I wrote about it. So, uh, so anyway, so then the other day after the final preseason game, Dirk asked, "Any clarity on whether you're going to call it?" No, no. You know what? I'm not going to say. We're just going to do what's best for the team. Well, you just stirred it up again, right? Like, you know, you're you can put an end. You can right. put an end to it. And I think, I think what coaches think is, well, if I say something, then it's a competitive disadvantage some way, some way. They'll spend less time on me and or on Todd Munkin's play calling, and they'll look at what I do. Like you know what else I think it it's is strange. And I'm me. not going to accuse only Dirk of this. They all do it. It's all like I, I think there's I think there's a bit of a uh, look. I'm not tell, I'm not going to tell you because I don't feel like telling you. I'm, I'm in charge to. here. Yeah, I'm right. in charge. Yeah. and it's it's a way to assert their power. 
I have information sure. that I'm refusing to share for you for no other reason than I don't feel I, like I don't it. have to. I don't have to and I don't want to. And the proof of that is you'll hear them not share information during the week and then go on a radio show that they're paid for and share it there. Right. So it's not the information, it's just who they choose to share it with exactly. at times. Exactly. And sometimes that's it. Doesn't bother me either way. Yeah, I'm ask, we're gonna ask the questions, but I was curious about the safety. Well, the, you know, the thing is, like, I don't mind, you know, if, if Dirk doesn't want to say, like, hey, I'm calling plays or I'm not calling plays. That's all fine. And Saban, if, if Saban doesn't want to get into the details of why one guy's better one than guy's the other, better the other or why I'm playing this guy instead of that guy. But you can't get mad when somebody, you're, asks, when somebody asks you the question. They're doing their job. It's a legitimate question of, yeah. hey, who's calling? Like, I think people want to know who's calling a place for the Bucks. It's and that's the key. The key is that, you know, rather than, and I know we're the conduit, but it's really the it's really the fans asking the question. You know, you, sure. have to, you got to kind of assume that like we're asking questions everybody wants to know. I get asked this every day, so now I, I'm in front of you. I get a chance to ask what everybody asks me. Right. And that's that's because really, you're going to write stories that people are interested in reading. Exactly. We're not we're going to we're not going to ask stories about ask questions about things that nobody cares about. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Um, quickly on the Bucks, they play at New Orleans this Sunday. Jameis has left the building. I'll be happy to tell you that there was a lot of guys that felt his loss yesterday, and I, I figured yeah, that would be the case. Um, you know, it's one thing to be hurt, but to still be in the meeting room and still be in the locker room and still be able to talk to players, even though you're not able to play, you're still able to, to be part of that leadership, whatever. He's not there now. So there's a vacuum. So who fills it? And Am I wrong in thinking that this is, this is what we think it is? Like, like losing your starting quarterback is a big deal in the league, and no matter how good your backup is. And now Nick Foles, everybody's going to refer to that. He won the last three games. Is that harder than winning the first three games? Or am I making too much about this whole thing in terms of they could start the game without their left tackle and their quarterback? That's bad. No, it's bad. I mean, look, and look, I'm not going to – I'm not here to beat up Ryan Fitzpatrick, but if Ryan Fitzpatrick was good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league, he'd be a starting quarterback. Although this is his job. This is his job. It's a backup, and everybody needs a good backup. And I'd rather have, from the Bucks. I'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my backup than what a lot of other teams Absolutely. are going to. He's, Absolutely. Of all the backups, if you were to rank the 32 backups. He's, he's top 10. Yeah, he's definitely in the top 10 of that. Having said that, he's not Jameis. He's not Jameis Winston. He's not nearly as good as Jameis Winston. And... To look, he's he's not going to go up to New Orleans and 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 be rattled. He's not going to get. No. He's, he's not going to be scared. You know, he's no, he's, not, no. he's a baller. He's he's going to go out. and He's going to play hard. Yeah. But is this an issue? Yeah. And look, again, I'm I'm gonna I'm just going to make an assumption about something, and we all know what you know when you assume things what that says. But look, I, I watched Steeler players yesterday on Sports Center talking about Le'Veon Bell maybe not being there for the first. Game. And he wasn't. Right, he wasn't there. So far, yeah. And they were talking to Pouncey and, you know, Hayward and a couple other guys. And they were saying all the right things. Like, hey, and this is about a business. Like, players get it when guys are Oh, yeah, you don't mess with their money or their women. That's right. But you could see, you could watch their faces and they were irritated. There was a little bit of irritation like, man, we're busting our rear ends here. We're trying to get something done. We have a really good team here. And this guy's out. And for, not because he's hurt. And I, I got to believe, Rick, there's a part of these Bucks players that are not going to say it publicly. Yeah. You know them better than me. And they're saying the right things. And I think at the end of the day, they, don't, they still support Jameis. Jameis is their guy. Yeah. But I, it's got to be human nature for them to be, doggone it, Jameis. You, gotta be, you should be here right now. Because they have what they think is a good football team. Yeah. See, this is the thing. If they were terrible, 
it wouldn't be as big of a deal. If it was Jameis' first year, mm-hmm. wouldn't be as big of a deal. You don't know what you have. Right. They know what they have in that locker room. I asked Joe McCoy that very kind of question. I said, are you mad? I'd be mad. I go, are you mad at Jameis Winston? He goes, I'm not mad at him. He goes, it's professional sports. I mean, everybody, and everybody takes this, you know, like the Steeler players said, this, said, said the same thing. Yeah. Like, look, it's, you know, next man up mentality. This is what we do. This is what we're, right. we're worried about who's here. Right. And I, I do believe that once the game gets out there Sunday, yeah. no one's going to be lining up going, oh, doggone, I wish Jameis was here. Like, but I'll, I'll put it in something we can relate to. <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> uh, no matter how hard your job is, because certain people may or may not be around, when you do your job, when you go out to write that column, or you yeah. go out, it, you may complain about it all week long, but when the moment arrives that your name's on that story, you're gonna do the best job you you're can. Do, yeah. And why? Because that's how you feed your family. Right, yeah. Pr- and I think, I think at the yeah. end of the day, on Sunday at, at one o'clock or noon central time, those guys are only thinking about one thing. I gotta do my damn job. Right. And it doesn't matter who's behind me. Right. You know, I gotta find a way to block Cam Jordan or, I'm, or they're gonna get rid of me. Does it help, Rick, do you think at all, that this is not a surprise. It's not like Jameis got hurt in the middle of the season and all of a sudden you're here to Wednesday and can he play or not? Like there were a lot of weeks last year Three where, where we were wondering, is, can Jameis go or not go? Should they shut him down? Should, yeah. How much is Fitzpatrick going to be? They've known since, you know, what, April, May, June, whatever it was. Well, was I mean, technically, you, you, if, you, if you were pretty smart about it, you'd have known since last November. But Right. But they but certainly, certainly the, by the start of training camp, they knew yeah. that Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing Sunday. Right. That's got to help a little, right? Yeah, I think it, it does in the preparation. I don't think necessarily – I still think there's a psychological void here, and we'll see how it goes. If they, if they navigate this and win one game, mm-hmm. or God forbid two, um, you know, not God forbid, but I mean like, no, I don't, no, nobody right. expects it. Yeah, right. Uh, but if they, if they are able to do that, then I don't think we'll look back at this and say it was really much of a thing. But – yeah, I mean, it's it's real. Like this is this is something that's going to affect them, uh, and and it's not again. There's I think there's a psychological component to it that you can't dismiss. That then we probably won't know until we get into right. And then, the game, and then right? furthermore, I say this. I think the whole prison. I think you got to look through this season in the entire prism of this this thing, this this suspension, because it was imposed on him and his teammates. There's a lot of jobs at stake. How they navigate the three games, and then can he play great when mm-hmm. he comes back? Yeah. What if he's not as sharp? We'll say, well, the layoff probably hurt him. Right. Okay. What if he's good, but they don't win enough? But because they lost one or two many games when he was away, they don't get to the playoffs. Yeah, they missed or, the playoffs by a game, or, and they were a winning three. season, yeah. or they fire the coach. Yeah. So everything that happens, good or bad, <laughs> is because is going to be looked at in the prism of this suspension. The, is, the best way this can go for them is they somehow find a way to win two of these games. Right. And then Jameis comes, comes and plays lights out. And then by week nine or ten... I'll make you a bet. Two. He's going to play lights out either way. Oh, I think he will too. I, I think he will be driven like he's never been driven before. Mm-hmm. I saw him with a laser focus when he was working. And I know that he's working as we speak every day to try to, to keep himself in tip tape top form. And within three practice days, he'll be ripping it and he'll be in shape and ready to go. And he'll be he'll have a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Again, he did this to himself, I get it, all that. But players and athletes know what's at stake. And for Jameis Winston, 
his whole career, certainly in Tampa, but his whole career is somewhat at stake here. No, it is. And I think he does that whole Jameis versus the world. I think he does have that mentality. Whether he deserves to have it, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he does have that. I agree with you. Look, I know it was preseason, and not everybody's showing everything in the preseason. He was really good. That's as good as I've seen him as as a professional. And other than the one throw that turned into a touchdown, the Chris Godwin play, which, you know, again, that's preseason. Um, He's, uh, he, he didn't make one throw where I thought, oh, what are you doing? What's that throw? Like, every throw was really good. Yeah. I, think, I think, Rick, they come out of this. I don't, I don't know. I, it's easy to say they're going to go 0-3 because you look at that. I think they're going to find a way to win one of these three. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I think. I think, I think I, one I think of these teams won't be as sharp. And they'll, if they get the bounces and get some turnovers, they'll take advantage. Look, I already we know this. Nick Foles is probably going to start for the Eagles. Right. Now you'd say, well, yeah, he was a Super Bowl MVP. Well, it's still not – and it's It's not not the same Eagles team. No, it's not. Bo Allen is here, okay? Like, Vinnie Curry is here, so different team. And in Pittsburgh, we've seen them lose to Mike Glennon at home, and they were really good. Le'Veon Bell, who knows what's going to be going on with him. We've seen – I mean, Ben Roethlisberger – Ben's going to throw you a couple. Oh, he'll have games where – he'll have one or two games a year where he'll throw four. That could could be it. Monday night – you know, you so I could see them. I could see them winning one of these three games for sure. sure. And if they do, I think they would take that. I, I think, think if you said to them right now, let's just skip to Chicago. And, and we're one and, and we're one and two, and it's going to Chicago game. They're going to do it. Finally, the Tampa Bay Rays again, Jeez. eleven games. Tom, I'll make a prediction. They won't lose again the rest of the season. No, they will. They won't. And they're going to. And they're going to win one hundred and sixteen <laughs> next year. Here's the thing. They may win a ninety something this year. So, so okay, okay. I got this the other day. You can help me out with this. So I vote for uh, I get because I'm a member of professional baseball writers. You get one ballot. I get one ballot for one of the awards. One of the awards, and they pick it randomly. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. But they so I got mine the other day. Whatever. So basically, give me a, a heads up. Hey, by the way, I got it from the, the guy that runs baseball, president of baseball writers. You're voting for American League Manager of the Year. Perfect, Homer. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to do because I'm looking at like. Okay, like everybody seems to think Alex Cora is the guy because he's... Historic season in Boston. Yeah, but, I mean, let's look who he's throwing out there. I mean, you're, they, you know, you got... Yeah, those, guys, those, guys, those guys need manage too. I know, but Mookie Betts, I'm not throwing out Carlos It's Carlos. not the 86 Mets where you have it's, 25 cash right. and 25 But players. it's, I mean, you got Mookie Betts, who I, th- I would pick as the best player in base. I think he's as good as Trout. Uh, Xander Bogarts, who's a spectacular shortstop. They go out and they sign three side young award winner. JD Martinez. They got Chris Sale and David Price. And David Price and Porcello. And they got a light sock closer. Um, they got I mean they got everything. And and yeah, they're they're gonna win a hundred and what they they cooled off, they're not gonna break your record yeah. at this point. But but then you got Kevin Cash, man. Are you kidding me? What about the guy in Oakland? Guy in Oakland's done a great job too, and he's going to beat Kevin Cash. He's by yeah, because he's by, eight games ahead. By eight games or ten games, yeah. And no one saw them either. No one saw them coming. The same to, thing to me. Same for that reason, same. they're similar teams in terms of you know we do the whole you know cyber metrics or whatever right. deal. No one saw this. Yeah. If they if they eclipse the race, but I think at the beginning of the season, people would probably say Oakland was a better team than Tampa. Everybody Tampa thought everybody was better than Tampa Bay. I would vote for Kevin Cash. Just because no one will, and so you might as well do it. Because you know, <laughs> well, because you wrote, and you know that, they, that we were using the T word. Everyone thought they were tanking. Yes. Right? And, man, I'm telling you, this, this opening day thing is real, and it's working. 
Yeah, it it's is. working because it has some actual logic to it that, that, that will apply to a lot of situations. Baseball right. will become more like football and has. You know, football is a situational sport. I got a different team on third down. You go three wide, I bring on a different guy, take a guy off. Every situation, I'm not playing the same lineup. Right. Baseball's becoming that now. Yeah, it is. And I think the Rays have just expanded that to the pitching realm. Now, if they've got four Chris, uh, Chris Sales, sales yeah. to run out there or Blake Snells, then I'm doing it. But no one has that, and Tampa will never have that. No, they won't. But I'm amazed at what they're doing. Now you look, I mean, I, I've, I'm laid on the bandwagon on this, but Joey Wendell. Oh, my God. What a player. It's time to start talking about him being a rookie of the year at this point. I don't know why I wouldn't get put. Now, he's not going to win it because no, there's two not. guys with the Yankees. Either one of them could win it. Right. Um, but no one saw. This guy, the plays he made the other day at third, this is old school. Yeah. There used to be guys named Craig Nettles. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. Brooks Robinson. Yeah, you yeah. Go even further back. Like, they were considered the greatest third baseman of all time. You used to see those plays in a World Series game once in a century. And he made two diving stops behind a bag and throws it from his knees or from his feet. I've never – and it just seemed like the ball found him every time. And, look, you can bat him anywhere in the order. He's hitting 300. You can play – I mean, he can, he can bat at the top of the order. He can bat at cleanup. Yeah. He can bat, like, the sixth spot. Um, play the outfield or any of the infield yeah. positions. It's been – Crazy. Yeah. In the major leagues. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what the Rays do. And uh, my thanks, Tom, as always. We'll, we'll be in New Orleans bright and early, so we're going to have to find a, a beignet somewhere. Oh, we'll find some. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Well, speaking of the Rays, Kevin Cash has one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in baseball. They beat Toronto again 4 to nothing on Tuesday night. That's 12 games over 500, Steve, uh, 75-63. and 63. There's no. I'm telling you, they're not going to lose another game. Well, they got 24 games left, so that means they could win 99 games if they win them all. <laughs> 99 and 63. Well, Everyone thought 100 losses. Maybe they're going to come close to 100 wins. Incredible. But seriously, if they go, we figured out, if they go like 15 and 11, okay, they go, uh, what, four games over 500 the rest of the way, right? Right now they're 12 games over. Mm -hmm. They end up with 90, that's right, 90 wins. Some years, 90 wins would win you the AL East. Yep, and it could win a division this year. Well, and you've got series them. left with the Orioles, two against the Blue right. Jays and the Rangers. Those are bad teams. Yeah, not not good so at all. And then fifteen course, and eleven is very doable. Yeah, and then the A's uh, were hosting the Yankees as we do this podcast. There was no score uh, in early in that game, but uh, the Yankees could help the Rays out a little bit by uh, beating up on Oakland out there on the West Coast. So uh, maybe they'll get some help before uh, before they come back. They finish up their series uh, with Toronto. Uh, tonight and then um, and then they have a day off and then they come home so uh, they'll play Baltimore so they do have some some winnable series coming up as well but I'll tell you they're playing great baseball and pitching well and, and getting timely hits and it was kind of a small ball approach on Tuesday night so got to credit the Rays for all the different ways they're winning okay the Bucks they're going to begin preparation for Sunday's game at New Orleans Wednesday's a big work day I'll be there at One Buck Place check on TampaBay.com uh, for all the details on that. Tropical Storm Gordon, thank God. Uh, looks like it's going to be past the bayou here um, by Wednesday morning, I guess, and uh, never did turn into a hurricane. I think it was about 70-mile-an-hour wind, so shouldn't be too much damage up that way. Haven't heard anything about contingency plans or anything like that, but it looks like the game will go on as scheduled. And we're going to talk to Bucks defensive coordinator Mike Smith, who will be uh, on the podium at One Buck Place. So we'll bring you all the news 
from there. So, hey, thanks for listening. We're here five days a week, of course. And remember now, part two of my conversation with Bucks defensive tackle Gerald McCoy is tomorrow. And uh, you want to listen to uh, Tim explain why you're going to miss him when he's gone, something he has not said uh, until we had this interview. So my thanks to Steve Verstink. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. 